0: Alright, well, good morning, church. It's lovely to be with you, and uh, which I'm really glad... Oh, I don't have to wear this. Well, hey, I'll just take that off for a minute. <laughs> but it is really good to be with you, and I'm really glad Heather and three of the kids could uh, be with us this morning. And uh, we always love getting to come down and be a part of the service uh, here in Enniscorthy. And uh, we love you guys. We, we really... Uh, our hearts are one with you guys, and it's been really exciting uh, over the last few months... Uh, working together. I really admire your heart to reach out with the good news um, as a body but also just as individuals um, and I'm really enjoying working together on Project Owen and um, just challenging people to read the Gospel of John. It's funny I feel like we're like a bunch of excited teenagers uh, in the Aldi car park on a Tuesday <laughs> night you know as we get ready to go out and then as we come back and we tell stories of People that we've talked to, and it's just been really, really exciting. Um, I was reading a verse uh, in my own time with the Lord this week uh, in Romans 10. It says, "How then can they call on the one uh, they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them?" And it just it challenged my heart. Many people in Ireland have never met the real Jesus. They have some ideas about who Jesus is. But it's really exciting to be a part of uh, just challenging people to meet Jesus for themselves, uh, looking into the Gospel of John and uh, learning about who Jesus is. So very exciting. We're also gearing up to go online with Project OWN, so there'll be a resource there that anybody can look at right there online. It's still under construction, so you'll pardon us if you look at the website. It's still has a bit of gobbledygook on there, but it will be uh, that part of the website will be all set uh, in the next week or two. Okay. I saw a headline uh, this week that caught my attention. It said elk with car tire around his neck for two years is free at last. And um, you can see this picture. This is uh, taken in Colorado and it's a beautiful scene. Uh, these elk uh, grazing in the wild, I remember years ago uh, when we only had one child. We now have five and one on the way, okay? Uh, okay. But when we had, Ruth was just tiny, we got to go to Colorado. I was speaking in some churches there and we went to the Rocky Mountain National Park um, and we saw a herd of elk just like this. They just came into the clearing where we were. And elk are majestic creatures. They're huge. I mean, you think a deer is big. Elk are like times two. They're huge animals. Uh, but this week, uh, this picture was taken, I think some time ago, of a group of elk there. And you see the one in the circle. He has a tire around his neck. And he was first spotted by wildlife officials in 2019 in the Mount Evans Wilderness in Colorado. And so he ha- has had that tire around his neck, for at least two years, possibly longer than that. Uh, so imagine what life is like for that poor elk. Okay, uh, that they figured that the tire and some of the debris that was inside it weighed about 16 kilograms. So he's carrying around 16 kilos of extra weight. Imagine him trying to wiggle in between trees and in and out of bushes with that tire around his neck. Uh, you know, it, it. I think it was a pain in the neck. Okay, uh, really. Uh, But, you know, it just struck me that the life that we are called to live as Christians... I love the song we just sang. Praise Jesus that he is a chain breaker, that he is a prison-shaking saviour, that he can set us free and that he can work in our lives in a miraculous way, in in an amazing way. But the life we're called to live as Christians, it's challenging, isn't it? You know one person has said it's not just difficult it's impossible at least in our own strength you know we're called uh, jesus said this he said without me you can do nothing and it's true we can't live this life jesus has called us to live in our own strength you know the life we're called to live is a cross-cultural life we're often doing different things than the world around us we have different values the world around us. It's a supernatural. Sometimes we're going against the sinful tendencies, even of ourselves. We're going against, in a sense, our own nature, our own uh, simple impulses to do what Jesus wants us to do. And, you know, if we're str- struggling to live that life and failing, it's easy to feel like that poor elk, like you've got a tire around your neck. Uh, you're carrying around, perhaps, a lot of guilt and uneasiness. And I know I can identify with that. And particularly uh, as an 18 year old young man, I remember there was a lot of failure and despair in my life. And uh, I really believe God was not getting a lot of glory from my life uh, because I was trying to live the Christian life in my own strength. And really, I have to say, I think without Jesus, I have to be the worst Christian here. okay? because I really believe I wouldn't even be in church if it wasn't for the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, let alone standing up and teaching the Word of God. Okay, Uh, so praise His name. But I want to talk a little bit this morning about what it means to be filled with the Spirit from Ephesians chapter 5. We're just going to look at that passage um, in a moment. And i found, you know, as a pastor over the last decade plus, most born-again believers, they truly want... To follow Jesus. We truly want to do what Jesus wants us to do. But we sometimes have difficulty with the how. Don't we? (laughs) It's like I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. But I sometimes at least just can't manage to do it. And obviously we are not going to be free from sin completely. Till the day we are with Jesus. Uh, But there is some great victory that God has provided for us in the Holy Spirit. Uh, that we can have in this life. And that's what we want to talk about. Um, so, what do we need to know? Well, first of all, um, I think it's helpful to understand... Uh, a se- I keep going backwards, pardon me. Here we go. Um, it's helpful to understand, this is a, a, a truth Jesus promised us, the Holy Spirit. He promised us as believers. Here in John 14, verse 15 and seventeen through 17, it says, If you love me... Keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Jesus promised us that He would give us the Holy Spirit. You know, that's our birthright as born again believers, the Spirit of God. If you're here today and you put your faith in Jesus or you're watching online, The Holy Spirit has been given to you. Jesus promised that, okay? And you know, it's a big deal. Do you know, Old Testament saints didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them in quite the same way as believers after Jesus. So we have a special privilege of having the Spirit of God living within us. I heard a song recently, it's an old hymn, and it's called The Comforter Has Come. Of course, the comforter is... um, the way the old King James translates uh, the word advocate there in John chapter 14. Uh, but the whole song is basically just about how the author was so excited that the Holy Spirit had come. And I, lo- this is my favorite line. Uh, it says, That I, a child of hell, should in his image shine. The Comforter has come. You know, because the Holy Spirit has come, God can work in our lives. He can change us. He can change us into a born-again believer, but then he can work in our lives. In a great way. Now, our next verse... And then we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 5. Here in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. This is an important verse... um, About the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit. Basically, if a person has been born again... Then the Holy Spirit has come to live in them. Okay? That is what this verse says. Notice what it says. You, however... And he's speaking to believers are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, it's impossible for a person to belong to Jesus, to be born again without the Spirit of God dwelling in them. That's, um, as best I can understand, what the Bible clearly teaches. So we all have the Holy Spirit, And in a sense, we have all of the Spirit if we are born again. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit have all of us? And that, I have found, if we are lacking His power in our lives um, in a very practical way, that's usually why. We have the Holy Spirit, but He may not have all of us. Okay, and we'll look at that a little more in a minute. So, if you have a Bible, let's look, you may be there already, let's look at Ephesians 5. Okay, there is a a vast difference between being lived in or indwelt by the Spirit of God and actually being filled by the Spirit of God. There is a difference between those uh, two things. Okay, so let's uh, unpack that a little bit here in Ephesians uh, chapter 5. I'm just going to read uh, verse 15 through 18, uh, first of all. It says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, very important command for us as New Testament believers. Here in Ephesians chapter 5, really the theme of the whole chapter is living as children of light. Okay, And we don't have time to uh, delve into that theme this morning. Um, but it's talking about being children of light. It's talking about living in such a way that we are living out the reality that since we've been born again, we are children of light. We are different. God has changed the, the theme of our lives, if you like. And then there in verse 15 through 17, it really uh, talks about being very intentional in your life about doing what God wants you to do with every minute of your life. Uh, notice what it says there. Make the most of every opportunity, okay? We are uh, taking control of the time that we have in our life. And we're saying, I'm going to do, I'm going to find out what God wants me to do. I'm going to do it with all my heart, Okay. But a very important part of that is being filled with the Spirit. If we're going to do God's will, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Okay? Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, notice the first part of verse 18. It says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. God tells us, Don't get drunk. Um, it leads to debauchery. And that, that often, um, that's a, quite a broad term in, in the Bible. Um, But it's talking about behavior which shows a lack of concern or thought for the consequences of an action. You could say reckless living, okay? Debauchery is just no holds barred, just doing whatever you feel like doing, okay? Now, it's pretty hard to think about what you're doing when you're drunk, isn't it? It's pretty hard to think about the consequences of what you're doing when you have lost control of yourself because of alcohol, Okay? But our, our goal is not to speak about that so much this morning. But it is an interesting contrast that God gives us to being filled with the Spirit. Now, uh, interestingly, when Paul, when God, through Paul, wrote to the Ephesians, they were very familiar with drunkenness. Okay, Of course, the city of Ephesus was known for the worship of the goddess Diana. But they also worshipped many other gods. One of the gods they worshipped was Dionysius. That's a tough name to say, okay? But they worshipped this god, Dionysius. And the worship of this god was particularly bad. They would have great feasts to this god. They would all get drunk. And sadly, all sorts of sexual immorality would happen in those supposed worship parties to this false god, okay? And the worshippers of Dionysius felt that they were unified, indwelt, And controlled by the god Dionysius. And that he gave them special powers and abilities. Okay. They really believed this. You know. They were worshipping him. And they got drunk. And they were involved in all of this. And they felt that Dionysius literally controlled them. And they had superhuman abilities. Okay. Uh, My son Sean is always talking about having powers. You know. Uh, All the Marvel uh, shows and all of that. Uh, But they really believed they had powers. You know. And so... When Paul said that to the Ephesians, I think when he said, don't be drunk with wine, their minds went to those worship parties. This was a part of their life before they'd come to Christ. And what he says in effect to them, he said, rather than being drunk with wine, rather than being controlled with those evil impulses, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the idea is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not in, you know a uh, kind of a mindless way where the Holy Spirit somehow bypasses your mind. But it is that the Holy Spirit is in charge of our lives and He is in control of us. Okay? So to be filled with the Spirit has the idea of being controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I know that um, you are going through a series um, in Corinthians talking about spiritual gifts and there's many things that we could say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we really just want to focus in on this simple truth of being controlled by the Holy Spirit and how that can affect our lives, really in a practical way, in the way that we live, and giving us freedom and victory, as we just sang. Now, a question to ask with just that little phrase, be filled with the Spirit. We, let's think about that phrase for a moment. Okay, First of all, it's a command. Okay? It's not a serving suggestion, okay? (laughs) It is something that God says to us. He says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit, okay? Notice also, it's a present tense command. You could uh, really translate this, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not just a one-time thing in our lives. Rather, it's something we're to be conscious of all the time. And Really, the idea is that we will be repeatedly surrendering ourselves to God, to the Holy Spirit, so that He can control our lives and He can give us freedom. And so, it's a present tense command. It's a repeated thing. Also, um, just a few uh, thoughts on that point. um, Because sometimes we can think of it as, okay, I'm filled with the Spirit at a certain point in time and then I'm good. Okay? Okay? But that doesn 't seem to be what ephesians five eighteen is saying it 's saying that as believers, we will be filled again and again. Remember um, Romans chapter eight verse nine that we looked at a minute ago. The Holy Spirit already lives in us if we 're born again, but sometimes the problem is he doesn't have control over us because we have not given that to him, so he already lives in us also if it, if it were a one time thing um the Holy Spirit would have chosen a different kind of verb that talks about a point in time, a one-time thing. But the Holy Spirit chose to use a present tense verb here to show that this is a continuing thing in our lives. We will be filled um, repeatedly. Now, I would say, at the same token, um, definitely was, was my experience, and perhaps for others here, um, it, we, we do believe that when we are born again, Um, that the Spirit of God comes into us. But oftentimes there is a point when a believer really discovers this truth and begins to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit and begins to depend on his power in their lives. Sometimes we talk of stepping into a life uh, of being Spirit-filled. And oftentimes this comes uh, perhaps after a time of really seeing, wow, I need help from the Lord. You know, Uh, There may be a time of dissatisfaction uh, or isolation, maybe some challenges in our life maybe some failure in our lives. And we come to the Lord we say, Lord, there's got to be more. I need your help. And we begin to understand, hey, I can know more of the Spirit's help in my life than perhaps I've previously experienced. Um, the great evangelist D.L. Moody used to use um, a simple analogy. Uh, he used to hold up a cup of water and he would say, okay, I want to fill this with milk or wine or, or, or whatever. I want to fill this cup with another thing. What would I have to do in order to fill it? And of course, the audience would say, you need to empty it. And he said, it's the same for us. Sometimes we need to be poured out. We need to realize, I can't do this. This life Jesus has called me to live is impossible. And then we say, Lord, please help me. And we begin to experience the filling of the Spirit because we know we need Him. You know, I think sometimes it's that moment when we come to know our desperate need of the Holy Spirit, and like Jacob in the Old Testament, we lay hold of Jesus and we say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And often uh, there is a new experience of the Spirit of God who already lived in us uh, in our lives. So, in answer to the question, um, when are we filled? It's a repeated thing. It's something that happens in our lives um, as we need it. Well, who does the filling? Well, I have good news for you. We don't fill ourselves. I know this seems obvious. But God is the one who fills us. We don't do it for ourselves. It's, it's not us. You know, in fact, um, here in Galatians chapter 3, um, which you see on the screen here. Hold on. Hmm. Maybe I don't have that verse. I apologize. Okay. And I've just given away my whole slideshow. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) It's not much of a slideshow anyway. Okay. All right. Well, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. I'll read it for you. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit... Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? And Paul draws a very compelling analogy here. He says, How did you first receive the Spirit? I believe he's referring to the point when they believed on Jesus and they were born again. He said, You did so by believing what you heard, not by the works of the law. You didn't do anything to deserve it. You just received it. You took it by faith. He said, After having begun... In the spirit, do you now think in your own, the strength of your own flesh you're going to be able to live this life Jesus has called us to live? And he says, how foolish. Of course we can't. And his call to them is, you need to walk in the spirit again. You need to depend on the spirit of the living God uh, once again. And so it's something God does for us. It is literally received by faith. We do not earn it by works. Now, what is the result in our lives? And here is um, the second, uh, a little bit more, a few more verses from Ephesians chapter 5 here. It says this, hold on one second. Okay, sorry. It says this, Be filled with the Spirit there in verse 18. And then notice verse 19. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit, and then verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And very simply... God's goal uh, for us in filling us with His Spirit, of course, is to do His will uh, in our lives. And it has very practical results. And really two results I see for holiness and for service. For being set apart to God in a practical way in our lives and for serving Him. Those are the results uh, that it talks about, at least in this passage. Okay? Notice uh, some of the things it says. Speaking to one another. Okay? Service to others. Ministering and sharing the word of God with others. That's a result of being filled with the Spirit. Singing to the Lord. You know, it's wonderful to come together and worship the Lord in church, but that should not be the only time we sing. We should find a song spontaneously well, welling up in our hearts uh, all the time, from time to time, and we're just singing to the Lord. Okay? Uh, that's a result of being filled with the Spirit. How about this being thankful? You know, I, I think the whole nation of Ireland needs to be filled with the Spirit because we're the biggest shower of moaners, you know. But if, if there's not something to complain about, we'll invent something. Isn't it true? You know? And if we are believers and we're being controlled by the Spirit, we'll be thankful. That doesn't mean we won't sometimes have to say, oh, well, there's a problem with this. But that there will be an underlying current of our lives that we're, we tend to give thanks for the blessings in our lives. We tend to give thanks to the Lord. So, being thankful. uh, Submitting. We don't like that word. But, you know, we all need to submit to the Lord. And even to each other. There needs to be humility. And uh, it will affect our our relationships, the relationships in our life. You know, if I say I'm filled with the Spirit, but I'm difficult to live with at home, (laughs) and none of us are perfect, I'm fooling myself. You know, it's going to affect... My relationships. And I'm glad my wife and kids are here to hear me say that. Because they'll remind me of that later. Remember what you said in church, you know. Um, But this is important. And also for for service. uh, Just simply to say. That one of the most powerful testimonies to the gospel. Is a changed life. And when people can see the Lord at work in our lives. It's such a powerful confirmation as we speak the gospel. um, That it is true that it is real. You know, the world says people don't change, but in, in Jesus, people can and do change. And it is a result of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, I wanted to share a little bit of uh, my story and, and something, a, a time where God really opened up this truth to me. And uh, then we're, we're just going to close. Um, I came to Christ as a young person. My parents uh, would have grown up. They were not believers And then there came a point when first my mom put her faith in Jesus, and then my dad, not long after, he made the decision to believe on Jesus. And uh, so after that point, I began to hear the gospel. And at a young age, I put my faith in Jesus. And I'm so glad that I heard the gospel and that I put my faith in Jesus. And really, God began to work in my life even as a young person. And it's amazing. Uh, Sometimes young people will just have a simpler faith And uh, God begins to work in their lives. And uh, I remember loving the Word of God. I remember seeing God answer prayer. And I was so excited. Well, it came to my teenage years, and I did have some struggles in my discipleship, in my following Jesus. I remember um, getting with uh, some friends that uh, they didn't know the Lord, and I just wanted to fit in with them. And I began drinking and getting into trouble and uh, doing different things that I knew didn't please the Lord. Okay? I have to say, around that time, I really, I hated going to church. If I could avoid this, I would, okay? And I was really not in a good place spiritually. My relationship with my parents got really bad, okay? And really, I think it was my fault. They were doing the best that they could. They would always have said, we're not perfect parents. We're doing the best we can. But, you know, I was definitely not easy to live with at home as a as a teenager, And every once in a while the guilt would get too much and I'd try to turn over a new leaf and it would last about a week at the longest. And then I would be again struggling, okay? Um, I struggled with feelings of depression. I I was miserable and it was a dark time in my life. Well, I remember going to a camp uh, where I heard a Bible message about the Holy Spirit living in us. And it was from Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, a great verse About Jesus living in us. And a light bulb came on for me, and I recognized I mean, I knew I was failing at the Christian life. You know, I wasn't even sure I wanted to follow Jesus. I was so defeated and discouraged at that point in my life. But I recognized, no, hold on, God is saying the Holy Spirit lives in me, and if I will depend on Him, He'll help me to do it. I don't have to do it just based on my own strength and resources. And it made a difference for me. I remember going down by a stream uh, there in at Evoka Manor and just, I mean, I cried. I'm sorry, guys. I have to admit it. I cried, okay? and just admitted my crashing failure to the Lord. I said, Lord, I am failing at this thing called the Christian life. You know what's going on. You know I'm not walking the way a child of life should live. And I just simply said, Lord, if you will help me by your Holy Spirit, I will live the life you want me to live. And that was the beginning of a marked change in my life as a young person. It was a real change. And why? Again, I said, I'm probably the worst Christian here. Okay? I really, if the Holy Spirit had not begun to help me that day, and I'm very conscious of it every day, I don't know where I would be. I don't know what my life would have amounted to. But I remember after that point, Going back up to the camp, and there was this guy. He was in the youth group, and he really annoyed me. Okay, I just really didn't get on with him, and you know, he's the kind of guy if you said black, he'd say white. Okay, of course I blame him, you know, but I'm probably pretty awkward myself. Uh, But I remember the first sign to me that I was beginning to experience the Holy Spirit helping me was that I, I cared about him. I loved him like in a brotherly way, and I was like, this is not me. This guy wrecks my head. You know, this is the Lord. I remember the Lord gave me just a love for his word. Uh, I remember I could not get enough of the word of God. Now this, before, I didn't want to read the Bible. Um, but I began to have a deep love for the word of God. I remember staying up late sometimes to read the Bible. You know, My friends thought I had lost the plot. Um, I remember one day, maybe more than one day, being late for school, because I had been reading the Bible before school and I lost track of time. You say, yeah, right. And my kids don't use that excuse, please. Okay. All right. But I just, it's just a small demonstration, though, that there was a change taking place in my heart, in my life. My re- relationship with my parents totally changed. The Lord restored the years the locusts had eaten, uh, so to speak, and found a new relationship with my parents and began to be close to them. And friends, I, I have to tell you, I am certainly not perfect. I am still growing. Uh, you know, and we all know that the Christian life, even when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, can be challenging. But you know, it was like I was trudging up the stairs of a skyscraper and I found the lift. And I was like, wow, I can actually do this. I can, wow, this is different. This is new. Um, and so, each of us need to be filled with the Spirit. Let me just give you three simple steps, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, how we can be filled with the Spirit, and then I'm finished. First of all, if we want to be filled with the Spirit, we need to yield. We need to yield. Again, I said it before, but the Holy Spirit of God does not fill us so that we can do our own thing. He fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do what He wants us to do. And it's important that we recognize we need to yield to God. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And in order to be filled with the Spirit, we need to yield to God. We need to give complete control of our lives to Him. Now, let me say, I think there's a difference between saying no to God because we don't want to do something we know He wants us to do. And saying no to God because we failed in the past and we don't think we can. I think God can work with that. We can come to the Lord and say something like, Lord, look, I'm trying, but I'm failing. Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. But I just can't. Will you please help me? God can work with that. He knows where we're at. He knows our frame. You know, He's not up in heaven saying, Oh, I wish they would just pull themselves together. He's standing there ready to help us. You know? Uh, in fact, in Luke chapter... Uh, 11, uh, verse 11 through 13, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Many here, I'm sure, are parents, Okay. And you know that if your child genuinely needs something, you're going to do whatever it takes to give them what they need, okay? And the thing is, we are, we're imperfect, you know? God is the perfect Father. The fact is, He wants to help us. He wants to fill us with His Spirit. You're not going to have to twist His arm to get Him to fill you with the Spirit. Day by day, He wants to do it. You can ask him anytime, Lord, fill me with your spirit. He has already told us he wants to do it. And so the second step is just simply to ask. Say, God, I need you. Uh, you know, for me, that's a daily thing. Every day I have to grapple with that fact. Lord, I need you. I can't do this without you. Lord, will you fill me? Will you control me with your spirit? And then lastly, um, in, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, it says this. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The third thing, in order to be filled with the Spirit, we need to continue walking with the Spirit. I love the way it puts it there uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Live by the Spirit. Day by day, walk with Him. We need to keep walking in the Spirit and being filled uh, uh, by Him and controlled by Him. You know, if we quench the Spirit uh, by sinning, we need to confess our sin and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, fill me afresh and anew, uh, Lord, because I need you. Well, to finish up the elk story, I know you're probably dying to know what happened to the elk. Maybe you already know, okay? Um, But this is a picture. Uh, This past Saturday, um, which was the 9th of October, this this really just happened, okay? Um, A resident of Pine Junction, Colorado spotted this elk with the tire around his neck. And, of course, she called the wildlife officials, the, I don't know, the Califor- uh, Colorado Natural Resources or whatever. And uh, so she called them up. She spoke to an officer named Dawson Swanson. And uh, she said, listen, this elk is in our neighborhood. Now, they've been trying to find this elk and set him free for two years, okay? And they had tried, this was the fourth try that week to get the tire off his neck, Okay? So, he and his fellow officer, Scott Murdoch, went to the neighborhood and they found the elk. He was with a herd of about 40 other elk. Um, and so, they tranquilized the poor animal. Okay? And he lay down on the ground, of course. So, they they got him down. They tried first to cut the tire off. But because of the steel in the tire, they actually couldn't cut through the tire. Um, so, in the end, they had to cut off his five-point antlers. Now, of course... The, the antlers grow back, okay? So it is not a, as, as drastic as it sounds. And you can imagine these wildlife officials, they give their life to this. It broke their heart <laughs> uh, to cut this poor elk's antlers off. But that was the only way they could get that tire off. Uh, so they took off his antlers and um, this uh, elk is free. They said he was remarkably unscathed um, he, the, the hair was kind of rubbed off. He had a little cut on his neck. But they said, we thought he'd be in much worse shape having that tire around his neck for so long. And so you can imagine he's free wherever this elk is out in the wild. Now, obviously, he wouldn't have horns. okay, But that was just the best <laughs> picture I could find. okay. But you can imagine over the past week, he's the happiest elk in Colorado. okay, Roaming free in the Rocky Mountains, free from the awful weight of that tire around his neck. And, you know, we were intended to live the Christian life not in our own strength, but in the strength of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And we can experience great freedom, maybe from, um, you know, defeat that we've carried out around for some time, uh, often by simply and repeatedly being filled with the Holy Spirit. So my question for you this morning, um, as I close, is just simply, are you filled with the Holy Spirit?